Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Small things, big difference. I grew up around mopeds, dirt bikes, and go-karts. My dad, he's a former drag racer, and so he knew engines and you know he knew how to repair especially the older stuff uh, not so much today and uh, on, on some of the newer cars and stuff but he could fix anything when I was growing up just a mechanic man could do it and so having that skill dad never bought us anything new it was always somebody else's junk he would go to a flea market he would go to a rummage cell. He would, he would go somewhere and buy somebody else's old junk, and he would bring it home to fix it up. And, and I remember this one time, he came home with this go-kart, and, and it was awful. It looked rough. It was beat up, rusted. The engine didn't work. And, and so I just thought, man, this thing is never, never going to, to take off. We're, we're not going to get anywhere with this thing. And, and I, I think Dad actually changed the motor out, got something off something else and put it on there. And, and I didn't particularly care for it too much because it, it was the old clunker station wagon of go-karts. That's what it was. It was, it was a two-seater go-kart. And every kid knows that a two-seater go-kart does not go as fast as a one-seater. A one-seater go-kart will go so much faster. Even if it has a bigger motor on the two-seater, it doesn't matter. It doesn't look as fast. And so a kid wants that one-seater go-kart. You don't want to have to haul around, you know, your little cousin or somebody on the go-kart. You want it for yourself because it goes faster if it's a one-seater go-kart. Not mine. Not mine. Mine was a two-seater. It really was. It was that old clunker. It was the grocery getter of go-karts is what it was. But my dad had this vision. And so step by step, he would make these small changes to it. And I remember one of the first ones is he gave it to my brother and he told him to take it to work with him. And, and they, had, they had a guy there that could weld, and he made roll bars for the, for the go-kart, made roll bars for this two-seater uh, go-kart. And so uh, then it came back, and it was a few different colors with the different pieces and things. And so we sanded that down, and we had some, some silver spray paint, and we painted that go-kart silver, roll bars and all, painted it all silver. And uh, it, it was starting to look sharp, starting to look new is what it was, what it was starting to look like. And, and then my, my brother, he had a tag made for the front of it that said the Silver Bullet. And that's what we named the go-kart, Silver Bullet. And we put that, that tag on the front of it. And my dad, you know, was a pastor. And, and then he saw a Coors commercial, talked about the Silver Bullet. And he made us take the, the tag off the front. He didn't want it to be associated with beer in any way. And so, but we still called it, still called it the Silver Bullet. And... Um, and so that was, that was my go-kart. And so my friends and I, we had all, you know, hit the fire trails and we'd start riding. And, and some of them had, you know, motorcycles and different things, other go-karts and things. And we just, we had a lot of fun with that. And, and one day I, I bring the, the go-kart home because it was just spitting and sputtering. It wasn't running good. And, and, and I remembered, you know, dad fixing things along the way. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll tinker with this a little bit. And so one of the first things that I could think of as a little nine, 10 year old kid was that my, might have some bad gasoline in it, you know? And so I I siphoned the gasoline out of it and put some new gas in it. And it was still just spitting and sputtering and, and not running good at all. And, and so I had no other choice, but just to wait until my dad got home. And when dad got home, I remember him walking outside to the go-kart and he asked me to start it. I started the go-kart. I go around, I get in the seat and I remember looking back over my shoulder and my dad reaches down 
no tools, just reaches down, makes a quick little adjustment on the carburetor, and it started purring like a kitten. It's the most amazing thing to me. Just some little adjustment with his finger, and this thing started running just near perfect. It, it, it was amazing to me. I tried that recently with a push mower that I have. I, I have a push mower that I bought last fall. I used it four times, four times. Then I put it up for the winter. And I'm telling you, I have the worst luck. My wife will tell you, I have the worst luck with just small engines. It, it's, it's horrible. It's, it, it's, it's really bad. And, and I remember, you know, dad reached down and did something to the carburetor. And so my mower wouldn't start a few weeks ago. First time I had it out for the, you know, for this new year and, and, and it's spring, you know, and I got to use it. So I reached down and acted like dad for a second. I just reached over, don't have a clue what I'm doing. I, I think I just rubbed the carburetor just a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if I was waiting on a genie to pop out or what, but that's what dad did. I mean, that's what it looked like when I was, you know, 10 years old and I just reached over. I did that and still it didn't start. You know, I'm just, I don't have that gift that dad had, but dad reached down on that go-kart, made one little small change and, and it run great for two years after that. Matter of fact, it was still running and I was riding my friend's motorcycle one day. He was riding my, my go-kart, the silver bullet. And, and if the go-kart was coming straight at you, you know, it had the roll bars that looked good. Well, my friend flipped it that day. And whenever we turned it back over, it was still running, but the, the roll bars kind of sit like this. It was just crooked, but it was the silver bullet, just not as fast as a speeding bullet as it once was. But man, I'm telling you, dad just had that touch. And that's the day that I learned that the smallest of adjustments can make the biggest differences. And that's what I want you to realize today is that the smallest of adjustments in your life can make the biggest differences in your life. John Wooden coached the UCLA basketball team to 10 NCAA championships in a 12-year period, including an unprecedented seven in a row from 1967 to 1973. It's unheard of. It was great, huge success. Coach John Wooden was one of the greatest basketball players to ever, ever coach the game. And one of his quotes, um, and he has so many, man, I'm Google it sometime. John Wooden quotes, just tremendous. But here's one of the ones that have, has always stood out to me, and I love this quote. He said, it's the little things that are vital. Little things make big things happen. It's the little things that are vital. Little things make big things happen. And John Wooden knew that if his players were willing to pay attention to the small details of not just their game, but of their life. He's a great life coach. And, and if they would pay attention to those small details of the game and of life, he knew that championships and great things would follow. And church, our walk with Christ can be a lot like that. We constantly live in this fear that God is going to ask us to take some giant leap of faith because we see God doing that in other people's lives. You've seen it. You know people that they have taken these giant leaps of faith and it scares you because deep down you're praying, God, please don't ask me to do that because I don't think I can be faithful to that. I don't think, God, that I can do that. I, I don't think, God, that, that I'm going to be that person that can pull that off for you. And so, God, you can't ask me to take that giant leap of faith. And, and you know what? God's not going to start you there. 
Because the giant leap of faith just, just doesn't start with you just getting up on the edge and jumping. A giant leap of faith is going to start way back here, and it's the little steps. It's when God says, I, I want you to go right, Rocky, and you, and you, you listen and you go right. Or I, I want you to take a step left and you, and you go left. Or, or even this, I want you to take a step backwards. And that's the thing that we don't want. We don't want to obey God when he says back up and look at things because we feel like life is regressing and not progressing. And, and so we have a hard time sometimes backing up and, and taking a look at the big picture. But sometimes God calls us to do that because it all starts with small steps. Small steps. God's not going to ask you to take this big giant leap right off the bat. No, you've got to learn to trust him back here with the small steps long before you'll trust him to take that giant leap. And he's going to ask you one day. If you're faithful over the small steps, one day God's going to ask you to take that giant leap. But don't let it scare you because you'll have enough faith because it's developed with every small step to, to, to get you to that place. For faith, the faith for giant leaps is built in those small steps. I want to show you something today in John chapter 21. John chapter 21, and this has just been burning in my heart for, for probably over a month now. To show you how God will challenge us sometimes with some small adjustments. Small things will make a big difference in our lives. As you're turning there, let me kind of set this up for you. Jesus has been crucified and is resurrected. And now he's starting to make appearances to different followers. People are starting to report that they have seen him. And there's some of his disciples that, uh, that, that decide one evening to go fishing. And, that, and that's what we're going to read about, about this fishing experience that they have. And so John chapter 21, start I'm going to start reading at verse 1. John 21 and verse 1 says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel and Cana of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Just hold your spot there for a moment, and let, let me make sure that we're, we're getting this. I want to make sure that this sinks in to what's happening. They've traveled with Jesus for three and a half years. These men were close to him. And in this, this dark moment of their lives... They need something to keep their minds busy. You've been there before. You've been in a situation where you just needed to keep your mind busy. And life has changed drastically for these men. And so Peter says, I'm going fishing. Anybody want to go fishing? And the other disciples around him said, yeah, yeah, we'll go with you. And so they go fishing on this evening. 
These are guys that, that knew, some of them, they left the profession of fishing to follow Jesus. So they know what they're doing. And they go out there, and it's just one of those nights that, that nothing is biting. And, and as a matter of fact, they didn't fish a lot like you and I would fish. Some of you, you, you know what it's like to throw out the single line out there and, and, and to catch that, that one fish at a time. You know what it, that is like. But th that's not what they were doing. They were net casting. They were throwing out nets and, and bringing in lots of fish all at one moment. The disciples, they followed Christ, and he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. They watched Christ as he went single-line fishing for certain people, ministering to the needs of one individual at a time, healing them, ministering to them. But they also watched whenever he would get up and he would feed the thousands, the multitudes, that was net casting. And so they understood the difference between single line fishing and net casting. And they would watch as Christ would gather all of these believers and followers together, uh, people that would become disciples and followers of his ministry. And they witnessed this. And so they're out fishing and it's been a long night. Nobody has, has, has caught any fish, and, and they're probably a little discouraged. And there's this man up on the shore. They don't know it's Jesus, and he yells out to them. He, he says, have you any fish? And they have to answer back. These professional fishermen have to answer back, no, we don't have any fish. He says, throw your net on the right side. Throw your net on the right side. They did. And what we just read in the Bible is they caught so many fish in that one cast that they couldn't even haul them all onto the boat. Now, don't miss this. Because Jesus didn't ask the fishermen, have you caught anything? No, we haven't. He didn't ask them to relocate their boats. That's what some of us do. We think, well, if they're not biting in this lake, we need to go to another lake. Or we need to go to the river. Or, or we need to go somewhere else. And if they're not biting on that lake, then nobody is going to be able to get them to bite. Because we're professional fishermen. We, we've done this for a living. We are not going to you know, listen to somebody else. And so he, he, he doesn't tell them, pick up your boat and, and, and go to another body of water. That's not what he does. Because that's a huge task. That's a leap of faith right there, especially in that day and age. Because you just don't have a, a truck you can back down into the water, put the boat on the trailer, and haul it out of there. You know, Men are going to have to physically pick this thing up. It's a big task. He he doesn't ask them to do that. He didn't ask them to run to the nearest city and buy different bait to chum the waters with so the fish start coming up and then they can cast their net in and pull them out. He didn't ask them to go through all of that trouble. That's not what he asked them to do. He didn't ask them to run down to Bass Pro Shop and buy all of the new and improved fishing gear because all of the men in the room, you know, if we go to the Bass Pro Shop and buy all the new fishing gear, we're going to catch more fish. You know that, right? He didn't ask them to do that. He didn't ask them to go spend more money on gear. He simply asked them to cast their nets on the right side of the boat. That's all he said. Do you have any fish? No. Cast your net on the right side. And it was there in that moment with that one small tweak. It made a big difference. Big difference. Zechariah 4 and 10 tells us, who dares despise the day of small things? This is what we've done as, as, a, as Christians. We've stopped making the small adjustments in life. Listen to me, listen to me, because somebody, somebody's got to grab this. Listen, we've stopped making the small 
adjustments in life. We wonder why. We pray, God, I want you to reach my family, my lost loved ones. I want you to reach them, Lord. I want you to use me as a light. But you walk into the room, and you're as dark as they are. You're not willing to make the small tweak, the small change to make the big difference. They need to see Christ in you when you walk in a room. We wanted to see some of our friends come to Christ, but we're not willing to be that, that, that vessel that looks different than everybody else in the room. We're not willing to make the small changes that it's going to take to see a big difference in somebody else's life. This is tough. It's tough to hear. But what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now about your life? What change is he asking you to make to make you more like Christ? He's not asking you to, to jump out of the boat and walk on water. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, all I want you to do is just throw your net out on the right side. Just make this small change and let me do the rest and see what happens in your life. Who dares despise the day of small things? Let me take you back to the early stages of this church. I'll never forget some of the small things that God asked us to, to take on. It seems so huge at the moment. And I look back and I think, man... How, how small was that? How small of a change was that? The first one was at our one-year anniversary over in the, the, the old sanctuary across the street, the, the, the building that we inherited. I, I'll, I'll never forget how nervous I was to go to two services in there. We couldn't put any more people in there, and so we needed to free up some space and start having two services in there. And that one change, that one small change would prove to be productive as our church would continue to grow over the next year. And then God called us to make another change. And that change was relocate from right across the street to the middle school. And I'm telling you, that one small change, I fought it. I didn't want to do it. And I knew other people were hesitant also. And, and, and it was so tough. But we did. We did. We made that one small change. And the church began to grow. Let me show you what, what it used to look like. We used to set up chairs only to that gray line that runs across the middle of the floor back there. That's as far back as we would go when we first started with one service when we first started in this school. That was it. As the crowd grew, we kept extending chairs back, putting more rows out. We did put out a few more rows behind these, but we were getting into our fellowship area back by guest services and the resource center. And we, we, we then decided it was time that God, uh, was lead, well, God was leading us. And we had to decide to make that one small change to go to two services. Two services, back to two services in this room. And it's scary. It's scary, but it was that one small little thing. And I'm listening, and, and God was speaking, saying, Rocky, just do this. Just do this. I'm going to bless. That small thing will make a big difference. And sure enough, it did. I mean, look at us now. Look at us. First service, it was packed. And, and this service, man, it continues to grow. And, 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 and we're seeing great things happen, mighty things happen. And it's the small changes, the small things that make big differences. I'll never forget, I have this picture on my computer over, over my office. And, and it's the picture of our last service in the old sanctuary across the street. If you were there um, or if you were a part of our church during that time, I want you to raise your hand. There's only a handful of us, only a few of us. I'll never forget it. And I love this picture because that day I, I spoke on the subject of humble beginnings. Because trust me, starting across the street, that, that's a humble beginning. And that picture's taken from the back of the room facing the stage in that old sanctuary. 
And I'm kneeling right behind the podium on the stage praying. And I had asked everybody else, kneel down on your knees and let's thank God for where he started us before we move on to the next big thing. Who dares despise the day of small things? Who dares to do that? Small steps. And God does big things with them. One of my favorite basketball players of all time is Ray Allen, and it helps that he did play for the Boston Celtics at, at one time. That's my favorite basketball team, and so it helps that he played there. But, but nobody can deny he's one of the best shooters on the planet. This two-time NBA champion just, just knows how to shoot a three-pointer, and, and, and he holds records in, in so many different areas of that for outside shooting. But when you see him shoot, one thing that you'll always notice about Ray Allen is the elbow always stays the same, always. You, you can Google him, look at pictures of Ray Allen shooting, and the elbow always stays the same. Shooting coaches say that the elbow should be in a little bit more, but it works for Ray Allen, and nobody wants to touch it, so the elbow's out just a little bit. But the key is it's always at the same height. Almost every picture you see him, and it doesn't change through the shot. As he shoots the shot, the elbow stays right at the same place through the whole shot and it's amazing it's absolutely amazing that one small technique that one thing that he does he has practiced it for thousands and thousands of hours I mean it is amazing how much time he has put into that one small detail concentrating on that small thing and it's paid off for him because doing the small things will lead to big dividends. No matter what it is in life, if you're willing to do the hard stuff, the small things, if you're willing to put forth the effort on the small things, it's going to bring big dividends for your life. And so really quick, as, as we continue to read through this story, I want to give you uh, some, some big things that the small steps will produce. And, and the first one is this, you will see Jesus clearly. Listen to this, verse 7. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. You see, when you're willing to do the small things, to cast the net on the right side, and you see God's hand move, and you see the provision, it will open up your eyes for you to see Jesus like you have never seen him before. And Simon Peter sitting in the boat, and one of the other disciples says, <clears throat> excuse me, he says, it's the Lord. And Simon Peter, he, he, he had taken off his, his outer garments because he was fishing at night. It was hot, and he's just there in his tunic. I don't know why he put on all of his clothes to jump back into the water, but that's what he does. He puts on his clothes, he jumps in the water, and he makes a beeline for the shore. I mean, he just takes off. He sees Jesus like he's never seen him before. This is his provider. This is the one that has come through for him once again. And he takes off to that shore. And, and the next thing that, that these small steps will produce in our lives is this. Others will follow. Don't miss this. I'm going to read verse 7 again. And and listen to verse 8 also. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord whom Simon Peter heard. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And this is what happens in our lives. Listen, believers, listen to what I'm telling you today, because this is so important. When you 
take the small steps in drawing closer to Christ, when you make the small changes, the little tweaks in your life, you will see Jesus like you've never seen him before. And when you start seeing Jesus like you've never seen him before, other people don't have a choice because they want what you have and they will begin following you. They will, they will jump in and they will just make a beeline to shore for you. And, and he just left them there with a the net full of fish and stuff. And these guys don't want to give up the fish. And so they're just dragging all of that with them. And you see what happens. You see what happens. People see you. They see the light of Christ shining through your life through the small changes that you've made. And all of a sudden, they're pulling more people with them. They're fishers of men too. And, and this thing just continues to grow. And God's, before you know it, God's doing something amazing in your life. And it all started because you were just willing to throw your net on the right side of the boat. A small change. A little change. An insignificant thing that changes this man's life forever. But don't miss this, because the wrong small adjust adjustments can also change your life in a negative way. I was sitting in our coffee shop one day having a cup of coffee with my friend Bob. We were talking about Nick Walinda, the tightrope walker. Nick Walinda, the famous family, the Flying Walendas, he holds seven world records. He's the first person to walk a wire directly over Niagara Falls. First person to cross the Grand Canyon on a wire. And, and, and we, Bob and, and myself, being the expert tightrope walkers that we are, we were sitting in the coffee shop discussing the, 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 the event that had just taken place where Nick Walenda had walked between two skyscrapers in Chicago, the Windy City. Maybe you remember seeing it. And, and we're sitting there in the coffee shop having coffee shop chatter about Nick Walenda and everything that we think about this guy and how dumb he is and stupid. I know he's a Christian and all that kind of stuff, but anybody that would get out there and do something like that has lost their mind. And we're having this conversation about all of that when Bob said something that summed up the whole conversation and it has stuck with me. And, and when he said it, and this is months ago, he said it, I got my phone out, opened up my notes app, and I began putting what he said in my notes because it, it just absolutely absolutely summed up everything that we were talking about. And he was talking about Nick Walenda, and he said, one small mistake will alter your life. One small mistake will alter your life. And how many times have we seen that, that played out in somebody else's life? How many times have we seen that played out in our own lives? Where one small mistake, one wrong relationship, one wrong moment of passion, one small mistake, one hit, one drink, one small mistake will change your life forever. And Bob said it, and I don't even know if he knew what he was saying, but man, it just hit me. And I thought to myself, it will not only alter your life, but it will alter the lives of those around you. Men, don't miss this. One small mistake in the wrong direction, one step in the wrong direction, that small mistake, men, it will embarrass you, your wife, and your kids. It will change your life forever. Deal with it now, privately, before you embarrass your, 
your family publicly. One small mistake in either direction will change your life. One small thing will make a big difference in either direction. And for some of you, you may have to choose between what you want now and what you want the most. What you want right now and what you want the most. And here's what I I know from my own life. I can't always trust my desires because my desires will mislead me. You've got to determine what's more important, what you want now or what you want the most. And very seldom are they the same. Very seldom are they the same. And going through my life, I've come to realize if I want it right now, I probably need to sit on that for a little while because my mind is going to change once God gets a hold of me. Overcoming your addiction starts with that one small step. It's choosing to drink sweet tea tonight instead of one more beer. One small step. Ending that inappropriate relationship at work starts with one small step. It's you getting your phone out on the way home and deleting her number. Or it's you, ma'am, telling him tomorrow at work that you're working on your marriage and that you're not interested in him anymore. Becoming something great for the kingdom of God, it always starts with one small step. One day, you hear the voice of God saying, cast your net on the right side and you obey and the next day all of a sudden you're standing before thousands of people and you give a message you preach a message and 3,000 people come to know Jesus Christ because that's what happened with Peter one day he listens to God throws the net on the right side one small step and his life was changed forever forever and just a few days later he stands there preaching and 3,000 people give their hearts to Jesus Christ It happened because of one small step. And God's speaking to some of you right now. There are things that he wants you to do that you have not been willing to do. It seems so insignificant. Surely this cannot change my life. But it's that one small thing that makes a big difference in the kingdom of God. Because if he asked you to jump, you haven't built up the faith through the small steps to be willing to trust him with that giant leap yet. Trust him. Listen to that voice. That still small voice, he's speaking to your heart. His spirit speaking to yours. And he's saying, take this step. Make this change. Do this one little thing. And when you have the courage to do that, it's going to be amazing, amazing, the harvest that he brings forth out of your life. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.